Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Hey, I'm Mark Jacksina. You're listening to Eating Habits. <laughs> well done. Better, better than I could have done. So professional. Yeah. Which, by the way, when I heard that episode, because it was so early on, yeah. like your little intro before everything going, yeah. I was like, what the hell happened to his voice? Did he take acting lessons? <laughs> <laughs> no, my voice has always been that way. It's just, it, it No, went, this well, is your I, voice, but yeah. there was more like, hi. You're, it was like I was on NPR. I was like, <laughs> yeah. are you going to sell me a sweater? <laughs> I think I was sitting in my closet, like surrounded by clothes, to, oh. like the home studio thing. So it was like the embarrassment on top of the noise. Like <laughs> yeah. somebody's going to catch me in the closet and I'm in here talking to myself. Exactly. Hell yeah. That's I love exactly it. exactly what happened. Uh, man, welcome to the podcast, Mark Jacksino. This is great to be on the other side, man. I'm, I'm so happy to have you. And I actually, just just before you get off yeah. on your thing, I just went through and had rewatched our episode probably two days of, of Order Fire yeah. before you had sent me the text. Uh-huh. Because I was just sitting around and I'm like, you know, I forgot I did that thing. Sometimes I forget these other things that I've done. Yeah. Like I'll go back and like read my poetry, like pick up a book and like, oh, I wrote that. And then I saw, you know, I was like going through something. I'm like, I'm gonna go back and watch some episodes. So I went back. I was like, I wanted to watch yours. I wanted to watch Alyssa's and I wanted to watch Blake's because we have a working connection. Yeah. And I was like, hope I didn't fail them because that's a hard thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. You totally didn't. Dude, our episode was great. I think so. So let's talk about Order Fire. Okay. All right. So, so the reason I wanted to invite you on is because we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Like, I fucking almost since i got to charlotte i guess which was when almost 20 years ago okay so that's a long time right but i don't <laughs> like the thing is i think we had drinks at the penguin before we really knew each yeah, other yeah yeah definitely because I, I was highlighting it to penguin i don't a lot of people don't know this about me yes so i was working at i was working at you're working for bruce ethan's no before that oh shit, i was working right. at ethan's i almost bought ethan's did you really yeah we i was trying. looking at it too Great space. But I was broke. It's a joke. Us too. That's how we ended up in Plaza Midwood with Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> so I was working at Ethan's and um, I was a sous chef there and I got released from that job. Me, we, me and the chef were kind of like uh, at odds. Odd. Yeah. That. Odd, odd that. <laughs> and so I started, I helped, um, I helped open Dish. Um, oh. their, their chef flaked out like on the night before they opened. He like flaked out, disappeared, didn't show up for like training or whatever. And I'd known them from the neighborhood. They called me and were like, hey, we need help. And it just so happened I was kind of in a transition. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'll come help you guys out. Well, I would, hi- I would like moonlight on the weekends on the Fry Station at the Jesus Penguin Christ. for beer. I was like, fuck it. I can go work <laughs> these, with these cool guys. I love these dudes. And I'll get a free tab. Was, was G-Dub still working there, Gary? Yeah, Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, I saw that guy change those fryers in the middle of a Friday night <laughs> yeah. service. And you know how they beat oh. it from fried pickles? Oh, man. Without skipping a beat. Yeah. Crazy. I was never, I would never even attempt that. That place was, <laughs> I don't, that's when I saw, and you know, they're opening up the, well, they've opened up the new one. Yep. What I don't there's oh, a little, uh, yeah I don't want to the, the other one I don't I don't want to get into okay, that whole thing that I mean I will but I don't no, no, yeah, no, let's not go down there I probably shouldn't for your sake <laughs> yeah yeah for me don't do but it. like nobody's ever going to capture what was going on there right no you know it's no. not it wasn't the it was it had nothing to do with the name it had nothing to do with any of this stuff yeah it wasn't the food either. I mean the food was fine as the kids say it's a whole mood <laughs> it was a whole mood. it was a whole mood and we were a part of that yes and I think we did probably had some liquor shots and. Other some things, PBRs and maybe other some things. other stuff too. <laughs> Who knows? Um, a lot of shit was going down. Those, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, that was. I mean, that was kind of the thing because, like, I knew that. That's right. Because I sort of knew that you were addition. I knew that you were moonlighting over there, and I don't think that I really realized 
what level of a cook you were because we didn't right. really t- like it was yeah. none of the bona fides like yeah. you know where I was in New York or anything like none yeah. of that happened no we were just fucking hanging shit, out shit, like smoking fucking... cigarettes like <laughs> talking about punk rock music and yeah, shit exactly <laughs> so like I think it was after when I found out that you were down at Barrington's I was like oh shit like he, this guy can actually oh, cook yeah well, how do you go from how do you go from Penguin to Barrington yeah yeah, oh, yeah. No, it was just side and game. then I, I don't remember who it was I, I don't think it was G Dubs but it was like one of the one of the other people in the industry had just mentioned they're like yeah no he came down from New York blah 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 yeah and then they're like and I was like but yeah. is he from there and they're like no he's from Mass I'm like fuck Mass hole. <laughs> yeah exactly oh guys by the way there's gonna be a lot of swearing so <laughs> yeah we'll Sorry. make sure big explicit sign on this episode well the funny thing that I learned through that you know actually I was talking to somebody about this I was just doing an interview anyways I had to start over when I came to Charlotte because of my yeah. resume you know like my resume was so strong like I went, I interviewed with Tim Grudy. Mm-hmm. I interviewed with, who else did I interview? I, I can't remember. All these guys, right? Um, I think I interviewed over at, um, at Nobles back in the day when he was on over in South Park over there. And none of these guys would hire me. I had the same problem. And I, and I attributed it to my resume. You know, I was a sous chef at like a three-star restaurant before I moved down here. And so I had to like reset, right? And say, okay, I'm just going to fucking ball out and cook my ass off and just show people what cooking's about right and that's why i started cooking like with the guys at penguin i was like i don't give a fuck i'll cook anywhere yeah i'll cook a fryer i'll cook over here i'll do like chicken and dumplings i don't give a fuck well i think that's the thing about you you. i think that's why we gelled the way that we did because it's always i've always been the same way like i don't give a fuck about the pretense yeah like let me just bang with you yeah that's all i want to do yeah yeah. you're you're fucking frying pickles i'm in yeah you know what i mean you want to sit here and get all fussy over like they're gonna be super Uh, salty and and acidic and crispy and it's gonna be awesome Exactly. You know, it's like, like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's the part sometimes that I don't think people like recognize, especially with your story more than yeah. anything else, because you know, you're Jamie Lynch. Now you've been on top, you know, you've been uh, on top, top chef, chef and all this yeah. other stuff. Yeah. It really dries, but yeah. I mean, twice. A, oh, that's right. It's twice yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great move though. Yeah. Well, I, I figured I had to go on the second time. Cause if they call and you don't answer, that's a bad look. <laughs> Like that, what do you mean that, the second time? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll make an ass out of myself yet again. <laughs> I'm getting good at it. Did you? I didn't watch because I don't really watch a lot of that. I only watched Top so, Chef when you were on it. To be, I, I've yeah. got to be honest. I don't. So so the second time, I, I I went into it just having fun. Like I was like, I don't give a shit about winning. I'm just gonna come in here and have a blast mm-hmm. and whatever. And it was a lot of fun. And the the chefs that were on there were awesome because most everybody it was an all star season, so everybody been on. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, but I did get thrown off again for cooking chicken. So now I'm like, I've got some like, you know, PTSD, like, like chicken thing going on. Like what was it? Well, oh wait, that was for the freaking the satay or something. No. That, so that was the first one. It was cooking, chicken twice. So the second time was chicken too for Ludo in, in LA, right? Uh-huh. Ludo's a French chef um, from LA who actually turns out opened a restaurant, a French restaurant, two blocks from our Denver location when that's going to open. So, so I actually stopped in there. I was in Denver doing like a site visit, getting ready for construction in Denver. And Ludo had opened up. He's, he was the guest chef when I got thrown off for the second chicken challenge. <laughs> so I stopped in there to have a meal. Did you order the chicken? Uh, no, I ordered oh, the omelet, which was phenomenal. Well, almost chicken. Yeah. But I just sat there kind of staring him down. Like from, they didn't know who I was. We just kind of walked in off the street and they sat us like right by the pass. So he was like on the pass. It was like the second week they were open. I'm just like mean mugging him from behind. Did he finally see who <laughs> yeah, was yeah, up there? Yeah, he came over and was like, Hey, what's up? I didn't realize it was you. And all of a sudden I was like, you bastard. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I had nothing to do with it. 
But um, he's a super nice guy, and the food was was awesome. But the, the omelet know, was. Money. The funny thing is, is there's like you talk to people who do watch Top Chef, and not everybody can remember who's won seasons. Yeah, I. But they didn't forget you. Yeah, yeah. So there's something no to be said for that. That is, yeah, that was epic. I don't like. I had no idea, right, like what I was doing mm -hmm. when I did it. And people ask me, they're like, oh, nice move, man, like whatever. And I was like, yeah, but it wasn't really a strategy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I know you well enough to yeah. know that like you yeah. don't you don't think like no, that. No, no, I was just like, this is, the, this is what I'm doing, I'm doing it, and it just turned out to be this like epic move. Mm -hmm. But I knew it was big when I, like when I did it, because I'd been thinking about it. I was like, all right, I don't feel good about this. Like I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do something different. And when I said it, and like, it was like, a, it was like the record scratched, right? Tom and Padma were like, what the fuck just happened? Wait a minute. Hold up. <laughs> like, can we do that? Is he allowed to do that? Are we going to let him do that? Like, and they were like, eh, like threw us all back into the stew room and we're like, let them go deal with this for a minute while we figure out what to do. Right. Right. But, so I knew, I knew there was a big deal, but I didn't realize. Yeah. That. But every, like the thing is, is now like, if you catch an eater article or something yeah, like and, that, like yep. there's a high probability that your name's going to get dropped it's in there. So. Guy. Yeah, I'm the exactly. immunity guy now. <laughs> Which is really interesting during a pandemic, right? How'd that feel? <laughs> I, well, after we, after we painted it like graffiti on all the walls, we had John Norris do like hashtag no immunity on all the, and, I, and so now I'm like, oh, oh that's kind of weird. <laughs> Did you guys keep it or no? Yeah, it's still there. I was just, I didn't even think about that part because holy Christ, yeah. <laughs> what a political shitstorm yeah. that is. I don't care. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I got to go with that. That's yeah. one thing I've always appreciated about you guys. <laughs> yeah, whatever. There it is. Yeah, no immunity. But I am vaccinated. <laughs> so, so, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, when that first, like, I think I was, like, week one when that happened, and my wife was, like, you know, asking. I'm, like, look, it's, I've done things yeah. that have, you know, like, probably larger consequences yep. than going to get a shot of this particular thing for this particular reason. And working right. in a nursing home is, you know, a, yeah. a retirement community, you know, that requires that. Let's so. talk. Let's, so let's talk about what okay so we just rambled skipped over for, yeah, yeah we, we just, just went right for, over we're like order fire and i yeah. let you talk you see how okay, i did that your turn <laughs> um all right so so you and i cooked together but we knew each other for a long time almost 20 years we ended up cooking together at nan and byron's what a fucking shit show that was the, you want to talk about? it's either the worst best or best worst idea we all had it was the probably the worst, worst best. best idea. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, because what I, a fucking, I mean, so so the thing about Nan and Byron. So Nan and Byron's, if anybody doesn't know, is a South End Charlotte South End restaurant that me and Fifth Street Group Partners opened. I don't know, probably five or six years ago now. It's longer six than years, that. seven years ago. It's longer than that. Long time ago, where the Vinny, in the Vinny's Raw Bar space, and we did an Americana neighborhood restaurant. American classics, roasted chicken, meatloaf, like that kind of stuff. Meatloaf was banging. It was banging, dude. The food was banging. The kitchen sucked. The kitchen. The kitchen was sucked. fucking horrific. The fridges were in the backyard. So you had to like go out into the sleeting <laughs> rain to get, you know, your, your mise en place. It was set up so that way there was no possible way you could manage to be successful at the number that we wanted to be successful. Yes. And that we needed to be at. Yeah. Like that was the thing too is, is, you know, Nana Byron's was not a church and union. It wasn't an upscale eatery. That was the it problem. Was, it was a neighborhood joint with, with modest check averages. And so we had to do volume, but it, it wasn't a big restaurant. Like we didn't have 150 seats. No. I think we had 80 or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It wasn't big. So we had to turn, we had to turn and burn and we had to be fast on the line and, you know, that is a challenge. There was no room to prep. Yeah. 
Ever put a fucking was, meatloaf together? There's no room there's to do no. anything in there. No, there was I mean, no room to do anything in there. And I but, had but, just, but, and but I had just left Kelsey on. And yeah. I, so it's like you got you got Jamie Lynch and Mark Jackson are the two freaking yeah. like bookends of fine dining in Charlotte, particularly uptown at the time. And we're like, they're in the kitchen together. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was a Kanye and who, who do they, I forgot. Oh uh, yeah. Kanye oh, and Jay-Z. Jay-Z or, yeah. Or whatever it was. And what it was like, what was that? That was a good one. Oh, yeah. Was funny. We argued about that one. Yeah. yeah. And who was who <laughs> still will go over that one. <laughs> but you know, the thing was, is out of all the shit that we did, and then there was that one, like, like the crux of it all though, was the freaking frozen vegetables. Yeah. That was totally. a, but there was no way to do anything else. Yeah. We didn't have, we, I mean, we didn't have a range that we could really boil, that no. we could blanch on. You couldn't get, you like couldn't get things hot like, enough. It was 12 BTUs. It was like breathing heavily on, onto a pot. If it was, well, I shouldn't <laughs> say that because like I was going to say, if it was just you and me back there, we could probably bang it out because that's what we do in New York with these right. small kitchens. But then there was that brunch that you and I did together. Whoa. Fucking Some of us nightmare. read from the right. Some of us read from the left. Yeah. Jamie reads from the right. <laughs> That is hilarious. I was remember that point where I was like, oh, yeah. get, ladies well, and gentlemen, come see two of Charlotte's top chef get their dick kicked in <laughs> yeah. by eggs. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, but Man. it was but you know the thing is there was a lot of lessons I took out of that too. Yeah. So I think that Nana Byron's might be might be the biggest learning lesson for, for our group. Mm-hmm. Or at least for me. Um, you know, we we did a new concept that was not meant for the space. It, it totally would have worked. I mean, people dug it. Yeah. Um, we just had to figure it, out. The thing was, it wasn't a failure on the street side. No, 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 it was a failure from like, it just, it was, we weren't able to do the kinds of numbers that we need to do to be profitable. Like we could break even, we could, you yeah. know, but but like, it's a lot of work to, to not make money. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it like, was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to like, to break even, so. You know, I just think we, we tried to tweak the menu a little bit. We did some like more upscale stuff and the food was great. You know, Kyle, Kyle Rhodes started doing it Yeah, and, um, was putting out great food, but then I think we started shifting too far away from what the idea was. Right. I think we should, we should have just kept our head down <laughs> and like, and just kept working at it. But everybody, it what everybody out. wanted was yeah. five church South end. Right. That's really what that's, they wanted. That's what they wanted, but we were not willing to do that. No, no, no. That space like, could, you could yeah. not. You can't. You can't. You shut that kitchen down three times a night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, man, what a mess. So, <laughs> so then, so then what? So what happened to you after that? I went and did well because that was like sort of my. I've got to kill my ego, and I wasn't quite the fine powder that I needed to be after I left Nan and Byron. So it was yeah. pretty whooped by that point. By that point, like. I wasn't going out, you yeah. know, it's like I have a couple beers at work. I have a couple beers at home, but like not nothing, nothing like heyday. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So did Nana, we did, um, I went over to uh, Earl's grocery because it was something That's completely right. different. And the one thing was, is like when I got down here, the one thing that I kept saying to myself is I don't ever want to repeat. Yeah. Like I had cooked enough Italian American food in New York that when I got down here, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing yeah. Italian food. Yep. Like that's it. I'm good with that. I'll, I'll bring some in on menus. Yep. Right. But I'm not doing it. Same thing with French food. It's like, like that's my background. I'll bring that in, but I don't want to overdo it on that spot. So it's like we did Lulu. I was whatever, uh, cafe frappe and then Lulu Andrew Blair's with Blake. Uh-huh. Wait, waiting for Halcyon, and then Halcyon was, you know, Halcyon. The idea with with that was, of course, that it was supposed to be a rotating, like always rotating menu, meaning sort of what I did at Lulu, but more so. 
because Lulu had to keep its favorites on mm-hmm. because we're small little joint. I mean, we got to keep our regulars. Yep. With Halcyon, the idea was is like clean the slate, and it was like we opened up. We had sort of a greatest hits of like things that I like to cook mm-hmm. and then the next menu I was like we're going southern and then southern hit yeah and they never they wouldn't let me do anything else because there was like uh, you know like towards the end I was doing like Vietnamese cuisine and mm-hmm. all those things that I love to do and they didn't want me doing that they didn't want me they didn't want me buying pork from farmers but they wanted me to keep farmers names on the menu uh, I don't do that yeah you know and yeah. that, it's less about that's less about ownership and more about part of the management team mm-hmm. that was there like I'm still friends with Jill and, and those guys but I mean, she also had asked me to come back and do like their closing down. They wanted to have all the chefs in there. She called me up and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, Jill, do you remember how all that shit went down? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, didn't, you guys extracted me out of my restaurant because I wouldn't leave no matter what you guys did to like frustrate me. Yeah. And she called me on the anniversary of our James Beard dinner with that restaurant group to say, I'm really sorry how things went down. Mm-hmm. And I was just like kind of ironic because yeah. Blake and I and Alyssa were all kind of like, we left there. We're like, this is amazing. Like we're going to do so much stuff. And then it seemed like a fire sale started almost like right behind it. Um, but whichever, I mean, I honestly, I needed to get out of there anyway. So yeah. I was pretty far up my own ass in ways that I'm not used to. What do you mean? So, I mean, people like, will, people, well, people, people pick up on things like I've never been a, I'm not a wishy-washy person, right? You're not yeah. a wishy-washy person. And yeah. my food has always been, also not wishy-washy you either love me or hate me you either love my food or hate my food and i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. because i recognize early on i'm not for everybody my wife always kind of points that out sometimes right (laughs) and um some of it is you know some of it masks a lot of childhood bullshit and you know some of it is like putting up front hiding a lot of anxiety and shit that we deal with as chefs Mm -hmm. you know doesn't matter who you are i've always said like every chef is always is always in a position of in fear of being found out mm-hmm. of being the fraud when he's in a room of other chefs who are also afraid of being found out of being a fraud <laughs> when they're in a room with you. So, um, but when I was like, I started using, I started using this sort of larger than life persona. Like I did when I was doing performance poetry to get over anxiety. Uh-huh. And I was like, when I was doing performance poetry, I had to do like, I had to create this character. Like there was my childhood, my childhood nickname was monk. Mm-hmm. So that was my stage name. Like I travel with this group of people. We put together this, um, this, uh, like, um, it was called the, uh, drive by poets and then became the bodega Republic. And the idea was, is what we did is we like, there was a group of us and we would travel around do poetry and then try to get grant money and funnel grant money back in inner city schools for art programs who were taking money away from art programs. Right. No money for no money for crayons, but we got money for like, you know, this this Hispanic dude, this black dude, and this white dude with tattoos to come in and like do what seems to be sort of hip poetry, but also use it to teach empathy or um, you know, be a little bit subversive and try to get people into ideas that aren't quite as propaganda brainwashed as people go through, but in ways that work, like mm-hmm. ways that I wanted to be spoken to when I was a kid. And we would funnel that money back into that school and be like, use it for your art program. Yeah. As long as I covered my wages for the day. Sure. Which was easy enough to do. So I had to use it. But the thing is, I started having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And first I thought it was diabetes. And I thought it was this. Like I had all these crazy things going on. I had no no insurance. (laughs) Um, And my wife was the one that pointed out. She goes, it's none of these things. You're just crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, like, you know, of course I am. But then it was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like I heard somebody on NPR talk about anxiety and the sort of this idea of the uh, uh, Oribus, the, the, the dragon eating its tail because I would perpetuate my own panic attacks. Right. 
So once I realized what that was, I knew I knew how I could kind of manage them. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, is on top of that, it's also when I started drinking in a way mm-hmm. that that didn't work, right? right. Um, but I realized that like I was a lot more comfortable as, uh, when I was drinking, yeah. um, which I want to circle back around when we talk about yeah. the drinking thing because there'll be an interesting sort of like <laughs> surprise release at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, because I mean- <laughs> Wait I've been, for it. Well, it's no, gone. because I mean, I've been yeah. very public about, yeah. about my drinking and I've yeah. been very quiet about it recently because there's some things that I've managed to come to light or you know work through and I'm like, this makes sense. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, we can. But, we'll, 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 yeah, let's yeah. Get there. We get to because it. we're talking about the ego right yeah, now yeah, yeah. in that whole persona. So this, this, I had to do that. Like, so when I started rolling in Charlotte, and people like all like I'm in a new city, I don't know anybody, right? And it's like I do this crappy management position for Cafe Frappe, and it was time to get out of there quick. And yeah. I had met Fabrice. Fabrice was like, "We should open a restaurant." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course we should." <laughs> Is that your French accent? Yeah, it nice. was horrible. <laughs> but uh, I was like. Okay, yeah, we should. And I honestly didn't think anything would come of it. And uh, it did. Mm-hmm. He, he, found, he found the house. He was the one that found Lulu. Um, we walked in there. And the funny thing is, is, dude, I walked in there and I didn't see it as anything other than busy. There was no, like we looked at a couple other spaces and we're like, maybe if we do this. Like, you know, it was like, it felt like it was like a, a Mickey Rooney movie. It was like, you know, we just throw out a show and we're going to do all these things. And we walked in there and I was like, I mean, it didn't look anything like what I wanted my restaurant to look like. Right there was just nothing about it. And it was like right on the verge of the ghetto, all these things. And at the same time, it's exactly like, I'm like, this is the perfect spot for me. Yeah. Like if I'm going to come in, I want to come in grimy. What was it about that spot that you felt was the spot for you? Dude, like, honestly, it was like just, being on the edge of like the shitty part of town, there was just like an energy in the room. Like yeah. we walked in there and it was like the way the light came through. And it was like, as soon as I saw the way the light, like the light, the, I forgot what the walls were painted, like horrible. It was like mm-hmm. cobalt blue and like, sponge painted orange and like all like it was it was it was amazingly ugly yeah right like the lights came from it was pre-ikea for christ's sakes it was probably like rooms to go what was it what was it before you it was like uh it was midwood cafe okay something or something to that effect it was yeah. like you know kind of like a deli yeah where the, was it was it was it a turnkey operation or would you guys have to did you guys have to sing some cash into it? well we or, i mean Went in the credit card debt. <laughs> yeah, kids don't ever do it. <laughs> yeah, by by seeing cash into it, you mean credit, credit cards? Card, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, I'm still sort. Of, I think I'm still paying a little bit off on at this oh, point, wow. just because it's been refinanced a few times. But you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's yeah. capitalism in America. Right. Um, but we, uh, yes, I mean, like we went in, didn't have any money to our name. It was pretty much turnkey. The um, Rich Penison didn't want to give us a five year lease. I think it was. He wanted because he, he didn't think he honestly figured we'd be there. Yeah, a for year, a year, yeah. You know, he's like, I just want to be able to. He get- never <laughs> saw that we would go yeah. ten years. You know, yeah. as the business, not necessarily with me there for ten, right? But um, I don't, there's just the energy there. So for Reese and I, just like we just started putting up walls and tearing down things. And mm-hmm. my father-in-law found some uh, stained glass. One of them became a divider for that big, the big, the big room, the twenties and the thirties, mm-hmm. where the fireplace was to the other room. And it was like it was all these little things that came together. It was um. There's a child book. There's a children's book called Stone Soup, which has always been like that's my thing, mm-hmm. right? And it, like Order Fire was always about that. My kitchens have always been about that. And yeah. you, to a certain degree, operate in that same sort of thing where it's like the sum is always better than the parts, right. and you yeah. can always do a lot more as a community. And Lulu was sort of that same sort of thing. Like everybody brought something and helped us out, and we opened when we were down to our last penny. We're like, fuck it, we're opening. Yeah, we time, had time to open. <laughs> dude, the health inspector came in on the 23rd of December. 
and gave us a provisional and said that when he came back, we had to have this one uh, water line fixed. And we had uh, plumbers come in. They showed up on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Because they, 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 they came and worked with us like only for a little bit of work. They put in a like, commercial hot water tank for us and a couple of small odds and ends. But they were They were just like, I don't know. It was super cool. Like, you know, yeah. they'd come in and be like, we had all this wine from wine tasting. Like, here, have some wine. Try this thing. You know, like whatever we're working on. And we didn't do menu testing because we didn't have the money for that. <laughs> right. You know, it's hey, like, we're going to make this once and it's going to be right. And we're going to sell it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much it. And I was like, it was really the, like some of the people that ordered, like the first, first issue we sold out of there was the, uh, uh, Merguez sandwich with a pepperonata on it. And, uh, like a little bit of balsamic, uh, like a balsamic sauce. And, with goat cheese. And the funny thing is, is like that never got made until he ordered it. Yeah. Like, I, like honestly, I know my food's good. Yeah. Like, I'm not really worried about that part. And right. I've always kind of operated. Like, this is going to taste good. I know it's going to yeah. be fine. You know, it's yeah. good. Again, there's always, there's always things about certain projects and Lulu was one of them, but that was the thing. Right. But because of Lulu, we got press like our first week. Mm-hmm. Helen Schwab wrote an article about us the first week. Mm-hmm. So we went, we opened up on the day after Christmas and, New Year's Day, we're in the newspaper. My wife called me as I'm on my way in, and she goes, you guys are in the newspaper. And I'm like, what? She goes, well, they're talking about, like, children. I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) So I'm thinking, like, somehow or another, like, they were using us as an example because it was the beet salad or something that we – it was a beet salad that we had on the menu, and it was Helen Schwab that wrote it. Mm -hmm. At that point, like, I sort of knew who she was, but my wife didn't, so she didn't mention it. So I'm like, I guess we're in a parenting thing. So I went and grabbed, like, a couple copies of the newspaper – at the Harris Teeter and then went up the street to Lulu and gave one to Fabrice. And I said, let's see if we can find it. We're digging through. And he goes, it's in the food section. And I was like, what? <laughs> so open it up. And I'm like reading through. And it was like number six. Like if you thought you hated beets when you were a child, go back and revisit with this spot called Lulu. I'm like, how the fuck did anybody know we were here? Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. We we're just, open a week. Yeah, it's, it's the holiday season. Like people got better shit to do. And it was fucking Helen Schwab on yeah, top of it. Dude, I, and I like, I'm not going to like, I cried. Like I yeah. stood in the dining room because I'm like, this was the right thing to do yeah. because you know, I mean, we all want validation ultimately, sure. you know, yep. even as, even as big, strong men, like yep. I want validation. Does that ever change? No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I think I've gotten better about things, um, with that. So we'll see. Yeah. But, um, anyways, <laughs> anyways yeah, not the main that. point of that whole thing was, is that press started getting there and of course the anxiety starts to appear. So like, I've got to find ways to kind of keep that at bay and mm-hmm. protect it. So, you know, it's like, Okay. This is who I'm going to be. You know, I was like, I'm going to be a little bit louder. I'm going to be a little bit of this. And like anybody that really knew me, knew me that he wasn't that arrogant. And there's like, I think it was Pete that pointed out where somebody is like, you know, well, he was arrogant. I was like, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Which is like the most arrogant thing to say. Yeah. But also, I mean, I can't change your perspective. Right. right. And I'm not, and honestly, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not obligated to. Right. Uh, you know, honestly, yep. I am, there's certain things like that I've done as you know i kind of like shit on myself over the you know over the 20 years that i've been here some of it very publicly and some of it not so much that i've gone and made sure to make amends with people on that part of it Mm -hmm. um because i i honestly felt that it was fair like i had reached out to um i'd reached out to a couple of female cooks that i was that i was working with because i thought that i had gotten it right explaining how to like manage this because i've always been i've always been about having women in my kitchen because i worked in a place one time where they like basically took two of the strongest cooks that I had in the kitchen and I was a sous chef and forced them out of the kitchen and into a different spot and finally out of the business. And I lost two great cooks Mm -hmm. over somebody's fucking dick problem. Because they were female? Because they were female. Mm. And at that moment, 
I'm like, this will never be part of my culture. It was like yeah. when I was working this Italian joint, and one of the guys was always wiping on his smock. I fucking hate. That. So I'm like, that I'm gonna be the, me, that makes me crazy. I'm gonna be the cleanest that. fucking sharpest yeah. chef ever. Yeah. Like I didn't grow a beard until I started working for you guys, <laughs> specifically because of the fact that I'm like, I don't care if I was out all night <laughs> yeah. doing all kinds of illicit things and drinking everything. <laughs> I'm still shaving before I go to work just to prove a point. Yeah. No wrinkled clothes, none of this. If you don't care, yeah. Enough for your clothes. You don't care. You don't care about your food. Yep. You know. Totally. Uh, I've toned some of that down. I don't feel like you need to be crisp, but you definitely shouldn't show up looking like shit. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I agree with you, and and you see it a lot these days. Do you do you see any of that? Like, do you have people that work for you now these days, or that that almost feel like they're showing up in their pajamas? Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, they don't have any pride in what they do. And I, you know, I try to, I try to manage that properly because I'm not here to. I'm, I'm here to manage personalities. I'm not like as a, as a chef, that's always been my thing. And I think, you know, you and I butted a little bit on this one mm -hmm. because you're a my way or the highway kind of chef. Mm -hmm. It's not a judgment call. Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. Mm -hmm. My management style has always been, I'm much better on one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not like, I'll dress down a whole kitchen if I absolutely positively have to. And sometimes you do, you'll do it on a, you'll do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And you're very successful because of that. Yeah. You know, although that's changed over the years. It has like, changed so some I've for, heard. For me, it's changed a lot. And I'll tell you why. I don't have anything to prove anymore. Mm. And I think that goes to the validation thing. That's why I, that's why I touched on that when you yeah, said yeah. it. Because when we opened Five Church, now Church and Union, we had a lot to prove. Yeah. And it was my first ownership gig where I was the chef and I had a lot of people's money riding in the line yeah. and none of my own. Yeah, dude, you would, you look like a deer in headlights. Yeah. When I stopped down at church and yeah, you were cleaning like, ramps, yeah, I was like, oh, you were excited, yeah. but you had a lot on your plate. Yeah. And I was so excited when you came uptown. And I think, and I think, you know, Nana Byron's was just the second version of that. I mean, we weren't there yet. We didn't, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing when we opened that restaurant. Uh, that's why I brought you in. I was like, I need somebody else who knows what they're doing. Or or ha somebody else who has an idea so that, like, right. I'm not do trying to do all this on my own. And But there was still a lot to learn. I think the ego thing was still there. I mean, that's something that took a long time to manage. We can talk about that a little bit. But now, like, looking back, multiple restaurants later, a couple that we've closed, a couple that we're not affiliated with, like... I don't really have anything to fucking prove anymore. Yeah. Like I'm not searching for validation like yeah. that. Right. Like, like my, my goals are different now. Yeah. Um, I think by the time I got to Halcyon, like when I left there, that was what the main, I'm like, what do I have? Like, what am I doing? I don't have, I don't owe anybody anything. Right. I don't, you know, and that's not, that's not, I don't, that sounds arrogant. Yeah. Right. And it can be arrogant, but it's actually coming from a whole different spot. Like if I'm operating like that, what am I doing from like, if I'm not doing for myself, I'm not doing for anybody around me, mm -hmm. plain and simple. Yep. Right. And I really wasn't. I mean, I was a fucking shell, really. You know, I was like showing up to work. Didn't matter. Like, I mean, I was always on time, always crushing out, banging food or trying to, right? But at least stuff that I believed in. It was good. I mean, I, I think some of my favorite plates that came out of Halcyon or any other place were, the, were some of them were epic failures. Not, not because they weren't executed properly, but because people didn't get what I was going for. Fantastic. Yeah. Because... Still to this day, and I'll, I'll die on that one particular hill. I'd rather fucking hang my dick all the way out there <laughs> and fi and fail than yeah, not. Right. And that and was the thing that I liked about you guys because yeah. you guys were very forward leaning. You're like, fuck it's, it. Yeah. I, I would rather try and fail than not, than try, not try, than not do at yeah, all. Right. Because imagine if you guys didn't. You wouldn't. We wouldn't be even we, doing we, this right now. Yeah. No. This wouldn't exist. I'd still be the chef at you know one restaurant. You, you wouldn't know. have you wouldn't have managed to exist in the in the same plane yeah. as Padma for Christ's sake. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, that's super interesting. So, anyways, I had to kill my ego tour 
Yeah. So we finished when I finished. I didn't end or uh, so. So when I moved in to do retail, yeah. I wanted something a little bit different. And if you think about it, if you go back and read anything about Earl's Grocery, my name was rarely mentioned. Mm-hmm. You rarely saw me, yeah. dude. I just stayed in the back and started working was on that myself. By design, or did that just happen to be the way it was? Portrayed? I mean. That's Bonnie and Trish or Bonnie and Trish yep. anyway. So like they were, they've always like, didn't matter who their chef was. They rarely talked about their chef and that's, right. that's their, that's their right and opportunity. Right. Sure. Um, but because I knew that sort of how they operated, I knew that they wouldn't just be riding on my name right. and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yep. I knew that I needed to, I needed to extract myself from myself Yeah. and I didn't know what any of that looked like or what it meant. And I don't even know if I knew how to verbalize it at that point, but I knew it's what I needed to do. Yeah. And I knew being away from people, hiding in the back. Yeah. Just doing your thing, have, having a list that needed to be checked off and, and having it done. Yeah. Some structure. Yeah. You know, and then I started doing pottery and that's when everything went. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was it, so that was good for you then? Earl's, Earl's yes, was good. That yeah. was like a therapeutic I mean, kind of. All the jobs that I had, I mean, even like Nan and Byron's was, was, was a, was a necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was, and it wasn't on purpose by any stretch of the imagination, but the universe always has a, an amazing way of giving you exactly what you need. <laughs> right. And I needed it. Yeah. You know, I needed to, I needed to be faced with a lot of things. I needed to see where my deficits were and where my strengths were and figure out what it is that I wanted to go and where I wanted to head next. Cause even at that point, I mean, you got to figure I was in my forties by then. Yep. So I mean, the writing's on the wall at some point. Yep. So what's your plan, bro? Cause you know, you already said you're not going to open another restaurant on your own money, mm-hmm. you know, and I really didn't want to get into partnership with anybody else. Right. So is that because of the partnerships that you've been in previously or you were just at that stage of your, I had asked your career a, and stuff? You're kind of like, I, I don't, I'd asked a lot for my family. Yeah. And my wife, God bless her. Um, she said, I can't really talk about her, which I never I generally do, which is always <laughs> funny because people like, you don't talk about your wife. My wife and kids have like social media. They have very, they, they, they don't really have a footprint. Yeah. They're very private people. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite of me, although people are always like, oh, you know, you, you they think they know everything about me. I yeah. give what I want to give. Right. There's a lot that I don't, right? <laughs> right yeah. Because it's not your business. Right. Like I'll share the things that I think are going to be important or helpful or promote or promote something I want to promote. Mm-hmm. Or, or stir the shit pot if that's... There's if, that. Or, or, <laughs> or that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still will always have that problem because yeah. goddamn, it's fun getting people yeah. riled up. Uh, but my wife was like, you know, she said, don't talk about me a lot. But the thing is, is like, she is not one who deals with uncertainty well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so having owning a restaurant that was underfunded, undercapitalized and was put mostly on my credit cards yeah. was a lot to ask for mm-hmm. because she pays bills with, like it's a religion. Right. Right. Like she, uh, on the day at two o'clock every on the fourth yeah. of every month. I am. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and she. I'm she, not like that either. I, I'm, yeah. I think I'm like you in a way that I'm just kind of like, I just kind of get it done. Yeah, I'll pay when I got to. Yeah. Like miraculously it gets done. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. It's kind of like having a whole calendar of pasta and I just <laughs> yeah. throw it up. I was like, yeah. oh, there it is. Yeah, I'm like, done. <laughs> exactly. But um, like she, the funny thing is, is like anybody who, anybody who knows my social media presence, like, you know, it's like I went out and did a run today, right? It's like I could have not posted about it, but I posted about it. <laughs> yeah. My wife, on the other hand, does things all day long that like any other person would be like, Here's me doing this thing. Right. Aren't I amazing? Yeah. Not her. Yeah. And she just, just like, oh, dude, she just fucking does it. Yeah. I'm like, because that's what you do. I don't, how do you do that? I don't know. Yeah. You know, well, the thing is, is like her parents all the way through her life were always together. There's all these things that she didn't have that I did. Yep. Probably some of the difference, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and then some of us are just predetermined and predestined to 
be shit stirring like you know right. assholes yeah. and that's me <laughs> a little bit you but um nah dude you know it's just like after after doing all that like i, I don't mind partnering like you know i'll i don't have to be the number one person in the room because yeah. i mean it's probably not a huge surprise to anybody but like i'm a like i'm a card-carrying anarchist that have been my entire life mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean i believe in chaos it's right. just power structures are something that we just agree to mm-hmm. and the best ones are the ones that are that are that are something that this is what we need. This is what we got. And we work with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to be the number one person in the room to be productive, yep. to be successful, and to be a part of something that's greater than myself. Mm-hmm. And any kitchen is like that. I think, and I think that good kitchens, like I think most things, if, like, my kitchens have always been about the team, right? Even mm-hmm. though I've always been like kind of the focal point, And that's, I think a lot of it is because the way our group is structured and people respond well to that. People love chefs, right? That's, that's a marketing, it was a marketing strategy. Well, the buck has to stop someplace. Right. And, but, but my success is not about how great I've been as a chef. I mean, a lot of the chefs that work for me now are better, you know, are better than, than I was. Mm -hmm. Or at least can get there. Or or bring something that you uh, don't. Right. A lot of them bring stuff that I don't. Well, that's, I mean, that's great leadership. A lot more creative. They're, you know, they're, they're tweaking with new techniques that are like, you know, Listen, if you were a point guard and became a coach and you had a whole team of point guards, you're fucking losing. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to have people play positions. Right. And I think and I think what's making us strive now is that that young leadership, right, that worked under me as line cooks or sous chefs are now in positions of like executive leadership. Right. Like like Adam is our vice president of culinary. He's basically the me. Right. Yeah. Um, And and the place is like crushing and you know we bring we work together in tandem mm-hmm. which is great cuz i bring you know a different type of leadership than he does and a little more experience but he is an excellent leader in his own right and a really good teacher um and a, and a great operator like he's a very good operator which i was not you know like i was i i was a, i was a talent i was a talented person i could run shifts like my leadership skills i think are are excellent but my management skills, like managing time, managing that kind of stuff was not always great. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, like I was good at it, but not great. Right. He's very good at it, you know? And so I think that's so important to realize and young chefs out there need to know, like, dude, get over yourself, like get over your fucking ego. It ain't about you. Yeah, right? exactly. It's about the fucking people eating for you. Cause they're the ones that pay the bills. Yeah. You know? Well, and, you know, and the funny thing is, is like, I think, I think people kind of forgot why they got into cooking mm-hmm. in the first place, what they really yes. liked. And that's the thing about it, because I see it day in and day out. I mean, I've, I've caught myself doing it too, where I get pissed off over something because somebody wanted something. Like, And it speaks to sort of like what you were just talking about as far as management styles, right? The one thing you've always been really good about and why I respect you from the inside of the kitchen is you're clear on your expectations. Mm-hmm. And most of the chefs that I respect and admire are the same. I do the same thing in my own kitchens. Like, I'm... Even even at my most wildest, most like pirate ship kitchen, <laughs> like I always had expectations for people because yes. like as long as we know where the fence line is, yeah. run around the yard yeah. all you want. Get in there and hit someone. Yeah. <laughs> like, but otherwise, you know, like you can't go over here. Yeah. Like that's yeah, yeah. you know, Johnson's apple orchards out of bounds. Yeah. Can't go in there. <laughs> and the thing is, is just giving like giving expectations, I think is the is probably singularly the greatest thing a chef can do for any kitchen. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be the best cook. It helps right. if you are, yep. right? But ultimately, like, 
I'm in this position because I'm in this position. And if you can outcook me, outcook me. Right. So let's talk about that. Why did you get into this? What's so important about that? Because I think that, and I don't know if this is true for everybody. It's true for me. I lost sight of that at some point along my trajectory, right? I think, I've, I, I, think I've, I think I've lost it a couple times. Yeah, I, I probably have too. You know, um, some of them more major than others, but right. Would would you consider that burnout when that happens? Is that <sighs> is that a burnout? I mean, yeah, I guess at times, but you know, dude, everything's cyclical anyways, one way or the other, right? Yeah. You know, it's like when I was writing, it was like sometimes it would all just come and it'd be like, like I'd look at it and go like, I can't believe I did that. And there are other times where you're forcing it out. And yeah. you know, so I, I feel like, I feel like career-wise you can kind of do that too. Like as a cook, you, you, you do forget, I think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because there's all these outside pressures and expectations yep. and other times. Life is happening to you while yeah. you're trying to. You yeah, know. I mean, it, it's, it's a multitude of things. And you know, sometimes too, I think, Sometimes I think those burnouts you got, I mean, when, when those moments pop, I think you should pay attention to them because sometimes it's, you really do need to, to make a seismic shift. Mm-hmm. Other times you just need to sort of clean house, you know, your own house a little bit, take a look around, tidy up your station and go, <laughs> what the fuck do I need to do right now? I love that fucking analogy. Because, right, to, yeah, because you know what happens when your station gets fucking yeah, messy. Your yeah. mind's cluttered as fuck. Yeah, and if your mind's cluttered, you down. suck. Yeah, you are going down. Remember that, Raven? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I got into cooking. I was in college at the time. I'd already done the business ownership thing. Um, I was part of a skateboard shop, and because um, I got out of high school, dropped out, took my GED, bridged over into college, and did one semester. I was like, I'm going to be an architect. Or no, no, I take that back. That was actually my first first semester, second first semester, first semester, and I was going to go in for graphic arts because I was taking some of that during um, high school. And I went over to uh, the local community college, started to get things going and did like went and talked to the, 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 the uh, department head and got asking some questions and realized that that was already a blown out market. Like there was going to be no way to be a standout. And what I saw was like that was just like I knew then that I did not want to work in an office. Yeah. Like I, I, I knew that I needed something larger than that to make me happy right it's like skateboarding gave me punk rock punk rock gave me henry henry gave me buddhism buddhism gave me fucking uh meditation and meditation brought me all the way back around to running which is what i was doing before skateboarding right right so it was sort of the same thing like trying to figure out what to do for school and i realized once i like i got there and i took a look at i'm like dude i didn't even like high school right now and i don't see how this is going to be different so i was like i went and talked to larry and was like well let's let's do more of the skate shop so I put in my time, put in some money, and we pushed forward, opened up a second location, was doing that. And then wow. when I blew my knee out, I had to reconsider, you know, I was 20 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, what are you going to do now, Mr. Blown Out Knee? Because like, things were looking pretty good on the skateboarding. And I was like, I got a shop, and it looks like I might have a solid sponsorship going on. Like, this might work. And then, yeah. Um, but, you know, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have met my wife, and right. we wouldn't be here. Exactly. <laughs> But um, so I started, I, long story, very, very short. I sort of worked through a few things and ended up in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking for, I was looking for something. I was looking for truth, basically. It's like I did this one thing and I was doing um, graphic design, or not graphic design, but um, um, civil engineering because they didn't have architecture, but at least I could get in on the ground level. Like first year, like AutoCAD got released, like I was there for it. <laughs> so, and I took a psychology class and I was like, oh, wait this makes sense. Like yeah. what's going on up here? Chris, we were all fucked up. Right. Right. I got a family of psychologists for Christ's <laughs> sakes on one side. So I did that. And it's like, 
as things just kind of rolled until I fell into philosophy and I'm like, this is exactly what I'm looking for because I really want to get, I, I want to get past things down to the truth of something, mm -hmm. whatever it was. So I figured I would do this. And of course, the further along you get in academia, the less the concern about the actual truth is and the more encampments you start getting on all this crap. And it got to a point when I was doing other jobs and I took a, went back into doing some cooking and I had this realization that nobody ever sent back a steak because it wasn't a steak. In philosophy, there's all like, that's not truth. That's not this. Like yeah. they could like, there's all these like tricks of, of of logic and using sophisticated argumentation to twist things around, and which we all just saw happen live and in person <laughs> for the last eight years on social media. For God's sakes, yep. Which is why it's perfect for a guy like me, but also poison. <laughs> but anyways, I, that's how I. I mean, that's how I got back into. That's how I really got into cooking. And during that time, like I would cook for my wife and stuff because that was the only way I could really communicate uh -huh. effectively. Yep. You know, it's like. I'd overthink things and fumble it and everything else like that. But goddamn it, I cook you a plate of food and you knew what I meant. I cared about you and I wanted you to be well. I'm glad you said that to communicate with people. That's what we do. But I don't know that everybody sees it that way, right? Like I do. Right. I do. I do 100%. I relate to that, what you just said. Because um, that's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, and this, this is going to lead into what do you do next, right? right? Because, you know, I did that. I cooked my fucking ass off for years and years and years to be the best, to, you know, put out the best plate of food, to, you know, take care of people or nurture people, things like that. But then as you move through the business, right, doing different things and move up or wherever or out, you know, the young guns kind of come in because that's a young person's It's game. a young like, person's game. Yeah, like, like running a kitchen is a young person's game. Like old people can't do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can, but we don't want to. Yeah, we, you know, it, hurt, it, hurts, it hurts a lot. Yeah, it hurts a lot. And um, you can't recover. And, when you, and also when you're not feeling it, you're not putting out your best work. No. You know, like it's so, to me, cooking is so personal. Like it takes so much energy and focus and attention to do it well. Yeah. That if you're like fucked up or hurt or whatever, like you're not putting out your best game. And that's not fair to your guests. No, right? not They're at all. They're coming there for an expectation, for an experience, and they're getting a piece of that, right? So then, so what next, right? If you're if if you've spent your career cooking to communicate with people and to explore the world around you, mm -hmm. that's something else that I that I do now. For me, it's like it's about exploration. Right? Yeah, it's about okay. Well, I don't want to be in the kitchen grinding every night because like I can't. I mean, I could, but like you said, I don't want to. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but now I can explore the world around me through food, which is fun. How do you transition that world? You know, mm -hmm. to what's next? Do you have any ideas about that? Have you been thinking about well, it? Well, I mean, or? I guess it's sort of how I ended up, you know, it's how I ended up at Southminster, right? Okay. I mean, with that, ultimately, to me, I mean, first of all, I needed to be in service to somebody uh -huh. besides myself. That part was clear. Right. And, well, I mean, I had been in nothing but service to myself. And, you know, we get to, we get talking about the drinking thing. Okay. And, you know, that's the that's sort of the first the, the first realization when you when you go sober, right? And I mean, I did it. I did it loud. I did it very. I was very upfront, very quick, and I was also very honest about the whole thing because I mean, it didn't stick until I said I could like I gave myself permission to drink. The minute I did it, the actual thought of drinking again became it, it disappeared. It was it was a vapor. So let, let's explore this for a minute, and then and then we'll roll into what's next because right. I think that's a good progression. The drinking thing for you 
what was the thing? So what was the issue? Right. And, and, and then like, how did it come to a head and why did you stop? Well, I mean, my identity got wrapped up into it more than anything else. Right. By this, by the, by my own design, I created this nice little cage, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, this sort of bad boy image, I'll fucking out drink you like yeah. PBR spokesman. If they had ambassadors back then, they would have <laughs> yeah. got, you know, would have been fucking like, that would have been me, like yeah. all the swag. <laughs> but, um, the thing was, is like, it got wrapped up into it and I, you know, you kind of buy into it and on top of it, I mean, I was, I was, I was shuffling a lot of fucking, a lot of trauma and a lot of problems and a lot of things that I didn't deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think the problem is that sometimes when you're told you're smart at a young age, you automatically assume that you know everything. And I saw it a lot as this country really fractured over the last seven years because there's guys that I went to school with that were also told that they were smart. Now I don't, I, I can't speak for women on this one and I don't know, I don't know if this falls into like certain gender expectations and all this other stuff. And I'm not qualified to speak on that. It's just observation. So this is completely anecdotal. <laughs> but I noticed it that all these guys that were told them that they were smart were very, very poor at actual self like criticism. Mm -hmm. Like they were not critical of themselves in ways that they should be were capable of as shown by looking outwards, mm -hmm. but inwards they were, they didn't see it because they're smart enough to know better. Mm -hmm. Right. They never actually had to apply critical thinking and levels the way that some people like my wife, for instance, who was never told that she's smart. I think she's brilliant. She applies critical thinking in ways that like in such a simple manner on such basic things that of course, like she doesn't have to look for validation. Right. 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 But because shit was so jumbled, so that's, you know, and drinking sort of helped like contain all this down because it became a personality that mm -hmm. people could identify with. Um, it relieved a lot of anxiety. And on top of it, I had no, like there was nobody in my childhood life, my parent wise, that ever gave me any way, like that's all that I saw. Mm -hmm. Like drinking was what you did. Mm -hmm. My mother was a tremendous alcoholic. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that she ever, I don't think she ever quit drinking until like, yep, up until she died. Like, I don't recall her ever not drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, my father was not quite the same alcoholic as her. And I don't even know that. I, and I don't know that I would actually call him one, yeah. but he definitely had a drinking problem. Yeah. Right. He quit, just yeah. stopped one day, just the, like kind of shrugged it off and went on his way. Never made a big to do about it. Occasionally have it here, here and there, but for the most part, he got to that point and he's like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Right. Sort of like when I quit smoking, I'm finished. That was the end of it. Yep. So, you know, as I, I realized, and you know, I mean, it's documented the whole, like when I quit drinking story, so I don't want to rehash that too much, but it was like one of these situations where I realized that my intensity level went down immediately mm -hmm. because drinking means I'm relaxing. Right. Mm -hmm. So immediately my, like, like my intensity level went down. Um, so like when I was doing some work on the house, I'm like, I'm going to wait till I'm done. And then I started thinking about other stuff. And then I started like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it time. I'm going to do this other thing. And then I was like, all right, well, order fire is going to ramp back up. Uh, once we get going, then I'll be like, I'll, I'll go back to like allowing myself to have a drink. And as soon as I said that, like, I didn't give a fuck about drinking for the next four or five years. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't, it didn't stick. And there was a lot of like, I did a lot of good work with working through sobriety and all these things and talking about it. But as I kept going, I realized two things. Number one, like calling me an alcoholic didn't feel right. Like, I, and I don't think that I said it a lot um, because it didn't, it didn't like when I said it, I'm like, huh, that doesn't feel the relief that I feel like I should have. Like, I don't feel that really gets to the heart of the matter. And I also realized that my sobriety was doing the same thing that my drinking was doing. It was my identity. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm not good with being identical. Like I, yeah. I want to create my identity. Right. I don't want it to be created for me. And I'd already done that once before where I created an identity that boxed me in. Right. Right. So I really started thinking about some stuff and I was out for a walk with my wife and I got talking about this reoccurring dream. Well, not even a dream. It was an actual memory that I had um, of my mother when like, well, when I was a child, my sister and I went come running out of a house. Um, we were living in Florida. My stepfather was brutally abusing her and I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe my voice was hoarse at that time. I don't really know, mm-hmm. right? Your, your memories do yeah. weird things. Yeah. And it's not like I had forgotten about that, but with everything that was working on, I, like there was something about telling my wife this story. I never told anybody that part, and it's not immensely powerful and not the most profound thing I've ever told anybody or said in public. But I realized that it was such a kernel of things because there was this sense of hopelessness, no matter how hard I yelled, that I couldn't get at, right? Mm-hmm. And all the other parts of, 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 of what I experienced as a child and the trauma that I never, like, I never looked at it as trauma. My wife, my, my mother and I would always go like, oh, well, hey, I wouldn't change anything. Well, because you can't, right? right? Yeah. <clears throat> and that's such an enabling thing that we do to ourselves that comfort the moment but doesn't fix the issue. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of that throughout everything that I did. And like me telling my wife this, again, for no big reason, started to unspool a lot of things. And I recognized that drinking was a problem, but it wasn't my problem. Mm-hmm. And as my whole thing was, is about this salvage, like of going, like getting through myself and salvaging what was left and finding things. It wasn't recovery. It was salvage mm-hmm. because you don't get it all back. Right? Right, right. Like the damage that I did to my, to, that I did to my kids just by being a shithead. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't go back and fix it. Right. right. All I can do is like recover what I got and give them what I have. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The damage I did to my marriage. I can't do shit about that. Mm-hmm. I can apologize, move forward and show like, this is what we, this is where we're at. I've got a very strong marriage mm-hmm. did before I fucked it up. And I feel like we're back there now. Is it perfect? Fuck no. We're too like, <laughs> we're adults that can't stand each other. 90% of the time live with somebody for 30 years. You're right. <laughs> it's going to be like that, especially me. So I got to a point, we're almost on a year now. I was in, uh, I went to New York, pick up my son. He had moved to uh, Bedside in the middle of the pandemic, like the worst time to go to New York. <laughs> he moves up there, does a year. I go and pick him up. We go to see my father, which is a whole other ball of wax to unspool. We're, you're not my therapist and I'm not <laughs> yeah. here for it. But um, it was as, sometimes you go in your head as a runner, you think something's going to be really bad and you get out there and you do it and it's not, right? Like looking down, like this day's going to suck 14 hours and you get done with yeah. it. It's not that bad. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be like that. And I explained to my son, I'm like, hey, it might get a little weird. It's kind of Archer Bunker and <laughs> he's not... He'll say this one thing, but then he'll say this other thing and it contradicts it. But unfortunately, this other thing has a lot of hard R's. And you're like, oh. And my son was allergic to cats. So we had to go get a hotel. We didn't have to stay with my dad. So that was nice. We yeah, got a reprieve. A little, a little break. Yeah. And then um, he was like, I want to go to Boston. And I'm giving him every reason why I can't go to Boston. It's like, I got all your stuff in my car. I got a huge race on Friday. Like, I'm supposed to be home training. And what am I doing? Of course, we'll fucking go to Boston. I booked a fucking hotel room in Cambridge and yep. we left the next day. Nice. And we went out to, uh, my father gave me some, like, you know, his dad's will do. He's like, you know, yeah. take your, go, go get something to eat. <laughs> so, like, we're walking around and we go to Legal Seafood, yep. you know, solid tourist joint. Yeah. And Lucas, my son, by the way, whose baby food that I made as a child and all these things, is the exact not child any chef wants. Yeah. My youngest, yes, absolutely. Got a tremendous palate. The oldest one is like, what did you do? I'm doing the opposite. Yeah. So he like he eats he eats so bad. Yeah. 
but he wanted to go he wanted to, he wanted to do something so i was yeah. like you know he goes what do you think i'm like we could do this thing or we could do this other thing and he goes let's do that other thing so we walk into legal seafood and it's you know upscale nice vibe and uh looks like pop let's get a glass of wine and i was like you want me to have a glass of wine with you i haven't like i hadn't like i gave myself permission to have up to four ounces a day yeah so i was like i'll have a glass of wine with you sure and i was like curious to see what would happen because that was the first time i'd like allowed myself to drink socially right in four plus years wow and honestly since then i've had drinks here and there and it's like the it used to be there would be that click that would happen mm -hmm. um tennessee williams talked about it you know this click would happen where the the, the lights come on it's like warm and fuzzy right like none of that's there. Like I don't yeah. drinking doesn't matter. The thing uh -huh. is, is there's things about drinking. I, like I drank a lot of like non-alcoholic beers mm -hmm. because as a chef we use our palates, and I miss yeah. using my palates. Like drinking, you know, uh, uh, sparkling water and uh, uh, Lacroix only goes so far. That's true. You know, is it good? <laughs> yes. Did it yeah. fulfill a need? Absolutely. Um, but the thing is, is like I, I realized, like as I worked through all this other shit, like I said, the drinking wasn't my problem. I'm still very cautious about it. Yeah, you know, and and my wife will make sure that I'm that I'm the same way. At sometimes we were at a wedding on Saturday, and it's like we got to a point where it's like I'm gonna have like somebody's going up, and I was like, I have another glass of wine. She goes, That's four. It's like they're poured like this, yeah. you know, which anybody else is about two inches. But I appreciate that check. Mm -hmm. I'm not really concerned about it because it doesn't. Waking up sober feels so much better. Having that clarity that I don't miss any of that other part, but I'm not going to lie. Things that I, things that I did miss hard work, like going out for a long run and having a cold beer afterwards. Like if you run 30 miles, yeah, a cold beer feels great. Fuck that. Like there would have to so, be a big bear chasing me so, <laughs> to run 30 miles, bud. But you know, so anyways, and that leads into, you know, that sort of leads into like Southminster because once you kind of work through the stuff that I've worked through, the baseline for me is like communication, comfort. Yep. You know, um, and, and, and the way that the world was burning down around me, um, moving into Southminster at the time, I mean, just before the pandemic hit, such a fractured society, you know, everybody's at each other's throats and there's just so much shit going on. And it's like the one thing that I could do, even if they're rich white people, is bring some comfort to somebody at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Now, if I could find a way to do that for poor black people and feed my family, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose that, but I chose it because they pay me well. I have great benefits. My hours are there. The team is amazing. Mm -hmm. The leadership is fantastic. I mean, Salem is a tremendous leader. Um, so I'm in a great spot to do that. And I get to mentor people. Yeah. And I work with my brain. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> mostly. You know, I mean, we, we all we all deal with uh, with with the implications of a uh, of an endemic world. Right. right. Where yeah. we just don't have enough labor. So, I mean, you right. know, you, we do do that. But even on the worst day, it's like sometimes like on a Saturday, like people like working on Saturdays with me because it's a very structured day because it's my day. Mm -hmm. None of the other chefs are there. Like I have sometimes a sous chef might be there, but for the most part, it's nobody from the executive. It's nobody from the executive leadership part in the kitchen. My day is very structured. They know what to expect when they get there. And there's a lot less employees and a lot less hubbub. So it's really condensed down to its, to its like fine details. Mm -hmm. And I get to spend a lot of time during that day showing people why to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Not what to do, but why to do it. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's missing a lot. Um, I see that. And that's an awesome trait to bring to your team. And I can see why that would be fulfilling for you. Cause I get a lot of fulfillment out of that. And I notice it a lot 
with young leadership, they they teach the what, right, and not the why. Yeah, and and even like tracing that why down, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, if it's let's say it's an omelet, right? It's like okay, fine. So we're gonna we're gonna make a French omelet. Well, the eggs can have no color. Like they're no color. This is why they don't have color because once they have color, you know, you're caramelizing the proteins, you're changing the flavor of the omelet, you're changing the texture. Can't do that. Right? Omelet's supposed to be fluffy. If you, you know, if you if you brown the proteins, now it becomes tough like a steak. Right? You don't want to do that with an egg. Yeah. You know, things like that. And then and then you can see people getting there. Yeah. Right. It's like that that mentoring thing where you're the person you're teaching is getting it. Yeah. Right. They're like, okay, that like they may not they may not fully understand it because they don't like eggs, right? They're like, well, I'm not going to eat Yeah, but the thing is you planted that. Yeah, right? But now that seed's there, and they're like, okay, cool. The shit's a virus, bro. Yeah, it's You know, it's, it is. Yeah. I mean, communication, right? Language or a is, vaccine. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Language, which if you think about it, like language <laughs> is a virus, right? Yeah. Because like you put this thing out there, you start communicating with people, right? Now I'm going to say this to you, and then you're going to interpret it. Right. It's already, it's, already, it's already changed. Right. It's already mutated into something different because what's going on in your head is different, right? But also it goes with like like how words are put together. Things right. change over time. Ain't isn't a word. Now it is, right? <laughs> it's because it's a virus. Yeah. But the thing is, is you get to plant these things via that mm-hmm. to people, these ideas, and that's power, mm-hmm. right? And if you keep beating over their head, like Saturday I was talking about, so it's like we, we have hospice there as well. To me, that's the most important meal. I don't care what the fuck is going on. Everybody treats it like... It's the shit end of the stick. Dude, that's like family meal in a kitchen. There is no more nobler pursuit than cooking for the family in your restaurant, except for maybe cooking somebody's potential last meal. And I'm going to tell you, somebody's last meal on hospice is not sexy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It it very well may be a chicken tender, because Mm -hmm. that's what the fuck you want, or you responded to your caregiver going like, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? And like, hey, I want chicken tenders, right? Right. You don't know. But motherfucker, that chicken tender better be crispy, hot, delicious. The salt has got to be on there. Like, yeah. I'm giving it to you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to give you, you you're going to get all the chicken everything tender. I got because, <laughs> goddamn, what if that's the last thing? Yeah. What if you're eating that and it goes out? Your, your light goes out. I don't want to have disappointed you at your last second, yeah. even if you don't know me. Wow. I didn't, you know, I actually never thought about that as far as the, the Southminster thing. And, you know, and with something that we talk about as chefs mm-hmm. all the fucking time. Every interviewer asks you, what's your last meal? Like, it's yeah. part of, like, you know. Our- yeah, you think it's going to be some grand thing. Yeah. No, dude, it's going to be pureed eggs. Yeah, yeah, or so, yeah, something. You, you know, because you, you, you're going to choke on something. Like, right. it's, it's, it's so much different, right, when you see it from that end. So, for well, me. I love, I love seeing you get fired up about it, too, though. It's, yeah, like, it's like, odd, like right? that's inspiring to see you get fired up about cooking the hospice meal for people. Like, that, that's, that's, that's my, that's, like, that's my, like, yeah. and the thing is, it's frustrating as fuck because, Southminster Southminster is big, right? They yeah. order breakfast. Nobody's cooking in the kitchen upstairs in the main kitchen for breakfast. It's downstairs. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that they want or may ask for is probably in another building attached. It's adjacent. Yeah. But it's out there. So yeah. you're doing a lot of fucking running. Like my steps, I mean, I run long distance, <laughs> right? So my steps for the day, um, I think, are already set pretty fucking high. <laughs> yeah. And I've had them by 730 in the morning already like, boop, boop, goal reached. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because this one wanted coffee and they wanted a milkshake and they needed Raisin Bran, which we don't keep in our kitchens. Right. Because it's not a nursing home. Right. We're not. We're a retirement community. We do have we do have like a different cafe care. and things like that. Well, what I'm saying, like yeah. you you if you go into assisted living, that's a different matter. That's more right. like a nursing home, right? Mm-hmm. And we have this big, beautiful building that's 
four stories tall with all these small kitchens in there and there's a lot of room there's yeah. a lot of running around right so i mean it can be super frustrating especially if you've got like a saturday where you're already prepping for one meal at, like for menu downstairs it's different every day and instead of like having promenade which is our more fine dining restaurant let's say that's closed down on a saturday for a buffet so you got to take care of this one menu for this one day and prep for sunday's one menu plus the sunday buffet menu there's a lot going on right throw in some catering yeah and you know you yeah, got a day that's yeah you're grinding it out yeah now. but you know i don't care what the fuck is going on hospice yeah. gets your attention full on and i don't like i've got this girl adriana who used to be a, a lawyer in columbia mm -hmm. that went through adam dietrich's program okay and came to us okay so no professional experience whatsoever like this girl, this woman is amazing. She's a beast and she gets it. Uh -huh. So it's like, she's, she's my default sous chef, even though she's not a sous chef yeah. because she knows my program. So on Saturday, like when I get in, she's like, chef, I've already got this. I got this and I'm going to scramble you some eggs in case hospice orders them. Those eggs better be fucking good, Adriana. <laughs> yeah. And those eggs are great. <laughs> nice. So, you know, and the thing is because she gets it, that was my whole thing where she's yeah. like, chef, this is a lot. And I'm like, but it's important. Mm -hmm. It's so important, yeah. but they're eggs but they're important. Yeah. Same with potatoes. Why are they so important though? Because it's a simple thing, right? Yeah. As a chef, we're, I'm above an egg. Yeah. I don't work brunch. And you know me, I'll yeah. work every fucking brunch yeah. Yeah. because it's humbling. Yeah. It'll teach you, it'll show you up. Jamie Lynch, you know it'll show you up because I've seen it. <laughs> brunch, will, brunch will bring out, the, the thing is, is it's not going to build character. It's going to expose it. Yeah. And brunch will do that. I don't care. You could be Thomas Keller. You could be, Oh, I don't even know who the fucking chef of the moment is right now. You. I, yeah, I'm right? not the chef of the moment, <laughs> but, but I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the thing is, is brunch is going to expose who you are because brunch is turn and burn. Doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Eggs have to get done quick and out. Yeah. They'll expose you real quick. That's why and, they're important. And they, they don't have a whole lot of, um, there's not a lot of wiggle room on an egg. Or range. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. that's not true. There's a lot of range, but there's not in a breakfast application yeah, right right yeah i mean it's like they go from being good to shit like fast instant yeah you know and and you have to account for that in your cooking which takes some skill and finesse and like focus like you understand you can't fucking mail it in no not at all on the, on the egg station and you got to figure what a sunday morning yeah. looks like for somebody who just spent all night partying oh, at the penguin man. feels like I, and lulu yeah. or the lulu you gotta figure we did 300 covers and i cooked all those eggs oh, to fucking order yeah there was no yeah. pre six over medium two over hard three poach one scramble one with scramble with cheese and it's like we can't just do bennies i gotta have six yeah. bennies on the yeah. menu yeah. So you got all those variations <laughs> yeah. going on. And the eggs got to be poached fucking perfect, right? right? Yeah. But the thing is, is man, when you bang that out, yeah. it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, fulfilling. At 3.30 three at three thirty or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, kicking your foot up. Two. two, two by, yeah. Like everybody yeah. knows that. Like everybody knew that by one forty-five, if I wasn't out of that kitchen smoking yeah, a camel light, pissed. I was going to kill somebody. Yeah. If I was still on that line at 2.30, they were bringing me a so, Bloody Mary like, so, Chef, sorry, we just had a 12 top. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what broke you. <laughs> Probably. Like, brunch is going until four. It's like, fuck that. <laughs> we're at fucking Nan's. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just, that brunch was a shit show. Yeah, the, the buffet is a nightmare. That was all right, that, but it, it was a learning curve. Yeah, well, and we, but you have to too in, in that scenario. But mm -hmm. but but there's something to be said about grinding out that successful brunch shift, like 400 covers, all the eggs, all the things, and it's fairly smooth. Like you know, you have your your obstacles you have to overcome or whatever. But then kicking your foot up on the table 
at three o'clock or whatever, having a coldie and saying, "Hell, oh, done. We did it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, right. As long as I don't have to work a Saturday night, man, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Do not ask me to work. I don't want to fucking work a Sunday night ever. I think yeah. I worked like two at Nan and Byron's while I was there because yeah. I'm like not doing Sunday nights. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I think the one time I had to work a Sunday night was because whoever that that one one of those sous chefs that I had that was a little naughty outy uh, made the kitchen staff quit <laughs> most of them oh man what a time to what be alive but I mean you know I think though the thing is with like right where we're at in our age that's that's always the that's sort of the hard focus right because mm-hmm. it's like what's important how do you like how do you translate it because like I don't want to go into nor nor can I really like like I didn't cash in and go back and finish out my degree, so I don't have a college degree back to fall like to fall on, which is like now with all these cooks, like mm-hmm. fuck culinary school. I'll teach you how to cook. Go get a business degree. Go get your fine art degree. Whatever it is that you want to fall back on in thirty years, because you're gonna want to fall back on something at some point. Get that piece of paper. Like get your business paper. I'll teach you how to cook. You want to open a restaurant? Yeah. Don't pay. Well, luckily <laughs> Jay Wu's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, no offense to my friends from Jay Wu. Um, but you know it's like. The thing is, is like if they they've got to stay focused on that one part more than anything else, and that's like the, the communication is is so important, not just with other cooks, but that thing that you want to tell somebody about yourself, mm-hmm. right? As a cook, like what do you like? That's the one thing that like the one thing that I heard that I didn't say that I wish that I had said was Dean or um, you know Dean Mm-mm. is married to Amber. Um, I'd have to show him. Anyways, Dean, Dean's, Dean's been around. He helped me out at Earl's and then he helped me out. He was at uh, South Minster for a little while. And Dean was, Dean's very competent cook, very competent cook and cuts no corners, makes no bones about it. And he'll be more than happy to show you how to do it. He'd probably do a little bit more like you than me. Mm-hmm. Right. But he'll show you how to do it. And if you don't want to do it, his line was always like, I don't give a fuck. It's your shitty career, not mine. You're right. But he's absolutely correct, right. right? It cuts it, and he's from New Jersey, so of course he's going to cut it more <laughs> yeah. like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the thing is, is that's that's probably the most accurate statement that you can tell anybody at any point of their career, right? Yeah. It's like, what are you willing to say about yourself? Because you're like, you know, we always go, "You're only as good as your last plate." Yeah. That sounds amazing, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's the closest to truth. And it's like, is this what you want to tell people? This is who you are, right? This shitty steak, these soggy ass fries. There are there are already mistakes that you're going to let slip past you that you didn't that you didn't identify or didn't pay attention to or miss somehow. But if you're willing to let the ones go that you know about, go. It's time to go. Well like you're said. you're past burnt out, right? Yeah. You don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's that's well said. Well, nicely identified. Um, yeah, because I mean, we all miss shit. Yeah, like yeah, I, it happens. I mean, mistakes happen. Like, and, and that's the thing too is I think in the early days of, of my ownership career, like the you know five church days when we were like setting the bar for ourselves, I was very aggressive about our standards, my standards, <laughs> like the way things were going to be, mm-hmm. um, and that was to set the tone for what we were going to do as a group moving forward. But like now nowadays, like our standards are still high. Yeah. You know, but I'm also not at the pass every night. And, um, you know, and I think what you just said about what are you willing to tell people about yourself, like through your work, right? Yeah. What you're willing to al- allow to happen. Yeah. What are you willing um, to lose every time you put it gonna out? Miss stuff, right? Like, like not everybody has the perspective or whatever to see all the mistakes or the, the mental checklist to be like, oh, wait, oh, that or that. Yeah. And, and sometimes, and, you and know, food fun. is 
Yeah, and, and that's fine. It's just food at the end of the day, right? Like we're not, you know, we're not we're not changing the Jamie, world. We make shit. <laughs> yeah, we, we make shit. We like do, seriously, we folks, but that's what we do. It's edible, but it's edible, edible shit. Well, it becomes <laughs> it becomes edible. <laughs> it becomes shit. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Oh, that's what we yes, make. We yes, make shit. I got you. Yes, we do. Make Our shit. end product is that. That's true. Um, and um, yeah, and I, so, but but I think about what you're willing, what you know is right, what you're willing to allow is an important barometer that I think people need to think about in this industry. Yeah, you gotta, um, you have to, you have like, if you're not checking yourself on that aspect, like on a daily, you're, you're I, I think mailing you're, it in. Yeah, you're, and you're doing yourself a disservice. And I, you know, the thing is, I don't know that that's necessarily like, I don't feel like it's specific to our industry. I, f- yeah. I feel like you could do anything, right? And like, and mail it in. Yeah, you know, and, and if check like check out and just if that's what you're willing to do, that's what you're willing to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the one I had this one bad review at Halcyon over the Meatball Trio, and the it was on like think Yelp, and or one of those, and the the, the person's avatar was Dick Cheney, so <laughs> I got dressed down in a very smart sardonic way. By Dick Cheney and I still like to this day I wish I knew who the fuck it was <clears throat> and the funny thing is is like I know what the day looked like when he was in there eating yeah. and I know almost specifically like what plate was his when it went out we were jam-packed on this on this lunch right oven was running hot we had like fuck ton of orders these meatball trios going in and I let a couple like put them on put them on the plate and send them out and never looked at them. now the heart oven was always running at like 850 900 degrees yeah so the fucking bottom of the meatballs were fucking toast dude i sent out burnt meatballs yeah. and that was basically his whole thing was talking about like you know this restaurant this and it's dick cheney saying those things. so if you want somebody to burn your food halcyon's a place for you <laughs> yeah. you know but it wasn't just halcyon it was chef mark and halcyon <laughs> yeah. are the place for you and the thing was is like when i read that review because like first i fucking laughed because it's fucking dick cheney right, right? everybody's <laughs> like well fuck that guy and i was like no fuck this guy yeah because I, I was in charge of those fucking meatballs and yep. I didn't look on the bottom of it knowing full well what was going on yeah. in that oven that right. particular day with the sun shining not too different from like it is right now. <laughs> yeah. Like that was on me, you know? And the thing is, is I think if you don't have that accountability, that self-accountability, yeah. like that's where, that's where it goes. That is a hard thing to come by these days. I don't think they're teaching that in culinary schools. Man, I think that, <laughs> no, you know, but the thing is, is like, I don't, I don't like to like, I get that part, but I'm, I'm, I try to find I try to find the way that they get it right. Yeah, there's some things that are just going to be generationally they're going to be different by generation. Right, there's nothing we can do about it. Every generation is always shitting on the one prior to it, <laughs> and the one I'm, the one that's above it's shitting on the other one. It's what we do. It's a younger brother, younger sister syndrome, I guess, right? <laughs> but like, there's a lot of wonderful things that these kids bring to the table, and they're changing the industry that I absolutely applaud. I think if they're like, there's certain things. My wife deals with them at CPCC, right? And the thing is, is that mostly when they ask you a question, they're not really looking for the answer. They want to know how you're going to do that for them. And it's not a slight on them because a lot of them are our children and that's what we taught them, right? Right. Mm-hmm. With all these things. And they'll also take these kids to task because they're like, oh, they can't memorize this. Dude, I don't have to memorize shit anymore because yeah. the entire fucking Encyclopedia Britannica and every other book that's ever been written is right here in my hand. You know what's great? Not having to pull that shit out of my head anymore. Right. I don't need to remember my recipes. They're on my phone. Right. Or I can go look one up and go like, oh, yeah, these are your basics and I'll just make it mine from there. Right. Right. Yeah. Or whatever you need. Mm-hmm. So I think like I, 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 we make we're tool users and we should yep. we should embrace these tools as well. And I think like don't teach my kid how to memorize 
stuff that he doesn't need to memorize anymore. It's like, right. yes, teach them critical thinking. Those parts are important. Right. Let's 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 figure out. He a doesn't way. need to learn cursive. No, my my son can barely. My son Max, right? Uh, who's, mm -hmm. who's the barista at Labelle Helene. He and can, sharp as a whip, by the way. I yeah. know. I know your son. Yeah, like, yeah. He's no slouch. Yeah, yeah. He's a smart kid. He's a, he's a wise he's a wise acre. And um, yeah, um, but he's also a really good worker. Mm -hmm. And you huh. know, he has no interest in being. Um, he has no interest in being in the kitchen. Good man. You know, he worked he worked with us in the kitchen at times, and has learned that that's not the place for him. Like working in my shadow and being the chef's kid and all that stuff. He's like, I don't fucking want that. I don't want to be a chef. Yeah. Why am I trying to fucking fill those <laughs> shoes? Like fuck that. Right. Right. Um, and so he works in the front of the house. He's a barista, but his station is you know meticulously set up. Like his mise en place is like you would be proud. You'd walk in there and be like, I like what that's, you're doing. That's over Jamie here. Lynch's yeah. kid right there. I like what you're doing over there on the, that. That espresso machine, kid. Um, and he rocks it out. And he's very meticulous and very clean and organized. And I love it. Uh, but he cannot, you know, he, he his handwriting is <laughs> fucking atrocious. Mm -hmm. Awful. Like, signing his paycheck is, is awful. I'm sorry to call you out, Max. But he can type, like, you know, a gazillion words a minute yeah. with his eyes closed. And that's a skill yeah. that's useful. Right. And he can hack into your iPhone, yeah. which is apparently supposed to be, like, hacker-proof, remotely. So Brilliant. I'm like, all right, well, maybe you don't need to know how to write in cursive. Yeah, what could you know I, mean, what I mean? Who needs it anymore? <laughs> yeah, who needs it? You know, that's yeah. like I see that when I see these things on social media, we're like, oh, you know, kids these days can't even read this. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is those kids had to show you how to get that phone turned on. So right. there's that, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think and I think that's a good perspective, right? Yeah. Embracing the things as they evolve. Yeah. You know, being open to it rather than but kind of. I, but getting getting back to your point, though, on that, I mean, I think that there's things that that we as chefs could definitely step our game up to make sure that we're putting that part out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it is our job to teach them. Right. More than anything else. And, you know, that was something that I identified. Shit, by the time we had Halcyon open, I started to see the kids come in that there was a that there was already a shift in things. So I was just mm -hmm. like constantly going like, look, you have to be able to look three moves down whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. You have to understand how what you're doing right now, basically what the consequences are to the next person, you know, as you as you work down the station or as you're building this particular plate. This is the why. But also, I want you to be considering it when you're doing it. So right. that way you don't find yourself like in the middle of it. Yep. But the hardest thing for me, I think, with with the young cooks when they're coming in the kitchen, even some of the ones that are closer to like 40 years old, will come in and they'll grab a menu and they'll start working without reading the whole fucking menu. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo, if I gave you a thousand piece puzzle and said lid on, or lid off. Yeah. Which would you prefer? Yeah, because off. exactly, you want to know what the fuck yeah, you got. I want to look at the picture, man. Like, how do yeah. I know what I'm building? And yeah. I was like, same thing. And I don't care if you've made chicken salad before. Yeah. You know how to make our chicken salad, right? So go ahead and read it all the way through. That way, if you got a question, ask it. Matter of fact, if you're making this, if you're doing this, and I always tell them the same. If you're making any of our recipes for the first time, and you're not ask, asking me a question. You don't have to ask Phil or Ryan. Come ask me because I don't get pissed off about asking questions right. or frustrated. My job is to be there to answer them. Right. I'm going to be a bit suspicious. Right. I want you to come ask me questions, but yeah. read it all the way through and understand what it is that you're trying to achieve mm -hmm. and then go do it. Right. And even some of them that have been there long enough, that have been there for a while, I was like, 
do you know what you're making? They're like, well, I'm kind of making this. You know what it's supposed to look like? No, let's go look at it. Context is key. Let's go take a look. Yeah. Come on, man. We'll go yeah. walk in the walk-in yeah. cooler. Yeah. Get away from I your hot station. Some of this in there. Yeah, it's cool in there. <laughs> yeah, we'll take a like, break. <laughs> this is what we're making. Yeah. So this is why you're going to do it. Right. You know? It's, I mean, and I think, you know, to, to circle back into that whole thing, I think, you know, that's really sort of like at the point, at this point in my career, it's like, I've got all this experience and all this time, a lot of failures and some great successes and, you know, some in-between shit that hopefully I could put out there and make somebody else a better person, mm -hmm. you know, a better cook. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. But if I can make you a better person, that's even better. Right. Because you're going to go do something else somewhere, like some way, you know, right, yeah. not everybody's going to stay in the kitchen, but if I can make you a better person and if I can teach you through the language that I know, mm -hmm. that's, that's the best way. And that's how I communicate is through food. So, and even if they do stay in the kitchen and you make them a better person, you're only bettering the industry as a whole down the road. Hopefully so it's not the same, the same shit storm that we yeah, came up in. Exactly. A little, a little more, you know, humble and you mean, you got to figure out, right. You got to like, at some point you have to be faced with like, what is my legacy going to be? I mean, you know, let's face it. Chances of people remembering me, low. Mm -hmm. People are chances of remembering you, a little bit higher, mm -hmm. but, but still, still low, low yeah, right? But it's still it low. is. Yeah. So the thing is, it's like, what else is there? Yeah, and I'm like, that's the hard. Like, I think most people get stuck on that whole, like, you know, th themselves. How far does it carry? Mm -hmm. Like, when my mother died, that should have like fucking wrecked me the way that when my sister died because I didn't have I didn't have an opportunity to make amends or any peace with her. There was radio silence. She told me she had cancer, and then didn't answer any phone calls or texts for six months. And I'm like trying to figure out all this other shit in my head mm -hmm. and she's doing this one. But the funny thing about it was, is like the last time I was in New York, I didn't see her and I haven't seen her because she wouldn't come out. She was sick. So like, I'm not coming out. I got shingles. I'm gonna get the kids sick. So I hadn't really seen my mother in, I don't know, 10 years, let's say mm -hmm. my mother lived in my head for 10 years before she died. Mm -hmm. Still lives there. Mm -hmm. Right. Same thing with what I'm going to teach these kids. They're not going to remember it, but they're going to teach it to somebody else and that other, and like my shit still lives somehow, some way, mm -hmm. somebody like that might like my kids, kids are probably going to be working in the kitchen someplace and somebody's going to tell them why you never have potatoes oxidized and why it's important to have them fucking pristine and white. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, cause any idiot can make a fucking steak and grill it perfectly, but they're going to treat the potato like it's fucking like second fiddle mm -hmm. potatoes star of the show mm -hmm. yes, right not is. because it is yeah. but because if you don't treat it like that you're not treating anything else the same way true that right mm -hmm. and that's okay. where i'm gonna end it <laughs> well said sir well listen man thanks for coming out and rambling with me for an hour and over it's been awesome to see you two hours that's about my usual time for these things <laughs> yeah then i'm like i'm like yeah. i'm waiting for pete to peek in out of nowhere <laughs> yeah. and just go wrap it up on the tab let's wrap it up let's wrap it up but man it was really good talking to you and we rambled around a bit but like super insightful and it was good to catch up with you and see like what's going on in your noodle right now and yeah. what you're focused on Dude, keep, you know, keep running bro that's all i'm focused on to be honest <laughs> yeah, with you just keep running keep breathing so what are you thinking about when you're running real quick um so like usually do most you of do you have to like keep yourself like in check or no. are you just kind of like it depends like if i'm doing like if i'm road running like this yeah. morning i'm able to just kind of like there's nothing to worry about really right but if you're running on a trail yeah. rocks shit so yeah, you're, you're, you're paying attention but it's really weird because it's almost like when you're like if you've done seated meditation like Japanese style so your eyes are open you're not yeah. like you know zoom or any of this other stuff you're just present in the moment it's a lot of that yeah so when you're running 50 miles or more 12 hours or longer you're in your head a lot yeah. right which for chefs we're in our head a lot yeah. but you know what's nice when you're in your head it's like remember being in the kitchen before everybody gets there yeah I love that's it. what running's like yeah because you're in your head yeah 
You get your and, organizing your thoughts. You're no, just kind of yeah. letting them come through. You're Whatever like, oh, happened. Hey, hey, thought. Bye. Well, it's, well, it's yeah, breathing. It's, it's really, yeah, <laughs> I mean, to do that. you know, and I said that little, like, that little thing about like skateboarding did all these things that brought me to the thing like when i ran before all my other shit and i was a runner and i stopped doing it because of reasons and when i finally got back to it as a complete person again mm-hmm. all those things be, all those things that made me at the time brought me to where i needed to be so now when i'm running like i can really meditate while i'm running mm-hmm. like shit just comes and shit just goes yep. i work through grief i work through trauma anger all these things some days it's amazing and you just keep running. You're like, oh my God, this is like, you just yeah. settle into it and you just go, Yeah. right? Like banging out a perfect night. Some days it's a fucking struggle and you'll never know which one it's going to be. Like it was cool as hell today for the first time in a while. Like to go out, no humidity, yeah. felt great. You could just be in shorts and a tank top and run. First five miles, I'm just trucking along. Turned around, started heading back to the house. I don't know why, but the second five miles, fucking struggle bus, bro. <laughs> yeah. For no reason. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what I was thinking about at the particular moment. It's like your shoulders get pulled up and everything yeah. else like that. So, I mean, you know, you're spending yeah. a lot of time sort of in and out of spaces. Like, yeah. you know, you go like, oh my God, am I doing this? You're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. And you're running. I'm like, am I breathing right? I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, look at that flower over there. And then yeah. like, you're like, oh, and like that'll trigger something else. Right. And it goes, but I always say like, I, I didn't like running with music, but I like running with music now because I find having some like low cadence or something. Dude, like a- no, nah, it's just low level. No, dude, like I listen to like, Iron and Wine and yeah. Wilco, like it's atmospheric. Yeah, it's almost it's a soundtrack. Yeah. Basically, I got a soundtrack going on. Yeah, because it's perfect for a guy that's trying to kill his ego to be in his own movie. That's what's going on. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for the release of this movie, bro. You don't want to see what's in there. <laughs> oh man, you guys just had like whatever they edit this down to, but there's two hours of like you know the shyest guy in the room rambling on forever. Well, thanks for doing it, man. It was good catching up. It was always a pleasure seeing you, yeah, brother. Dude, keep good. Keep good.